Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. The challenge that children are faced with at a younger age, it would seem, than in generations before is the determination of a career path or a profession to pursue. In middle school, students are asked to begin defining an educational path that will ultimately lead to their professional career. But before career, their choices are about higher education and other post-graduation involvements that will lead them to that profession. This is a big responsibility to place on children, even with appropriate and effective guidance along the way. Today's podcast is focused on one program that a school district implemented to help students tap into their professional path. And it's not only successfully doing that, but it's also helping curb the dropout rate and getting more students successfully moving through to graduation and on to a fulfilling and meaningful career. Here with me today is Harry Mathias and Jeff Groshek from the Central Columbia School District located in Columbia County. Hello. Hello, this is Harry Mathias. I'm the superintendent at Central Columbia. Good to be with you. Thank you. And this is Jeff Groshek. I'm the high school principal, and I'm excited to be with you as well. Great. Thank you so much for being with us to tell this story, this success story that's going on in your school district. So let's jump right in. Um, When was the Central Columbia Career Pathways High School launched, and what was the catalyst for developing this type of school? Yeah, actually, it was, a, it was the catalyst for the program was first initiated out of Governor Rendell's uh, Project 720 initiative back in the year 2006. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, uh, the, pro- the goal of that project was to increase the rigor and educational programs and to make learning more personalized for kids. Okay. Uh, so we spent the, the next couple years, 2007-2008 school year, as well as the 08-09 school year, really researching best practices. Uh, At that time, we came along a gentleman by the name of Michael Thompson. He was from the Middletown Area School District. Uh, He was this uh, guru um, in the Career Pathways model. Uh, We spent an an, an enormous amount of time with him, uh, and after extensive work and collaboration with Mr. Thompson and his staff and visiting Middletown, uh, we felt ready to launch our our own program, and that actually began uh, the 2009-2010 school year, and our first graduating class was in 2013. Uh, we feel like we have a, a really good program, uh, and we are now a, uh, a model career pathways program in the state of Pennsylvania. Awesome. That sounds like a really cool program. So was there someone in your district that was sort of the leading, leading champion for the idea? Or, you know, was there one or two people that were sort of the ones that introduced the idea to the school board? So our school district uh, since the 90s has had uh, career development and through the old graduation project, a career focus for all of its students as, as part of the heart of the school district. When Mr. Groshek became the high school principal, um, back in 2004, 5, 6, I charged him with making the high school the best it could possibly be, be a leader uh, in the area, be a leader in the state, and uh, I saw in him the enthusiasm and the talent that would make that happen. Okay. Uh, He then, uh, you know, we went after the Project 720 grant, as he said, uh, received that grant, and then we did an awful lot of research, certainly through that grant, uh, there was some done through Willard Daggett, and uh, 
his rigor, uh, rigor curriculum uh, ideas, Ken Gray through Penn State University and what, you know, what effective high schools should be. There were a lot of things we pulled together. Uh, I kind of provided the cloud level leadership and then, you know, the implementation things that needed to be done through the community and the school board itself. Uh, it was certainly Mr. Groshak who, uh, where he was the rubber on the, where the rubber met the road, okay. working with teachers, working with students, uh, working with staff to get everything in place. Great. And was the school board behind you on this? Did, was there any convincing you had to do, or did you mostly, once presented, was it a welcome idea? Well, we have a very professional school board. They want to be the best also and provide the best education they can for their kids. They are um, very business-oriented, so they want to get facts. They want to have research. Uh, they want to know what the cost is, but they are very open to ideas that are progressive, that ideas that they think are going to do good things for their students. So we approached that from that model, uh, brought them a plan and what we thought uh, we needed in order to make it work. Uh, and frankly, because that plan was so well developed, they were not hard to convince, but they certainly needed convincing. Mm -hmm. But once they got there, they have been fully supportive. Great. Let's talk about what the model is. So what makes this school a unique model? How is it different than other integrated career programs that exist in high schools? So the model basically consists of three things. One is college readiness for all students. And I emphasize the word all. So when you look at our curriculum, we have a curriculum that is well aligned in the core areas to uh, Pennsylvania academic standards, high levels of assessment, and we have the really maximum requirements in the areas of math, science, social studies, uh, language arts, and foreign language. Every student from our high school graduates with at least a two-year course sequence in a foreign language, for instance. Okay. So that's one thing. The second thing is there is a component uh, where we have five broad career pathways and numerous courses that have been developed that fall within each of those pathways. We have over 140 courses offered in our high school. Uh, those courses, a student must take at least four credits in their primary career pathway and must take two credits in a, another pathway area. So we try to give them kind of a broad look but also a concentration in at least one of those pathway areas and again, those courses are developed so they're very much hands-on, problem-solving oriented, career-focused, and so forth. Okay. And then the third component of the program is a mandatory sequence for all students in grades 9, 10, and 11 called Futures 1, 2, and 3. And the Futures curriculum consists kind of fundamentally of a career development process where students uh, analyze their, not only their um, what they're good at, but also what their um, aptitudes are, okay. uh, and, and also what their interests are. So their aptitudes and interests. And what a lot of people don't do is match those two. And that process is designed to match the two, come up with a high school plan, a post-secondary plan. Uh, and actually, in our model, the student has to develop that plan and present it to a group of business leaders. It's called the Senior Exit Interview. That'll happen here in May for our seniors. And that panel will review their plan and interview the student, and they have to pass that in order to graduate. 
Cool. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the aptitudes and interests and the matching of those two, because I feel like in a lot of things that I've read, it, it seems like those are almost blurred together sometimes in, in content that I've read, where it's assumed that the aptitude will automatically become the interest. And it's so it's interesting that you're talking about matching those two. Well, and of course, that is, those are not the same thing. Yeah. A lot of times what you'll get is a student. Uh, Mr. Groshek always uses the example of, a, of his daughter who wanted to be a veterinarian mm-hmm. because she uh, very much, you know, liked kitties and puppies. Mm-hmm. And then when she started to take coursework in our agricultural science area where we have live steers and live goats and rabbits where the students do inoculations and they do tests and all of that kind of stuff, things that a veterinarian would actually do, all of a sudden there was this, well, I had this interest, and yeah, I may have the aptitude, but then when I tried to put it in practice, maybe those two didn't match. Yeah, that's a really good point. So getting to the implementation of the program, step us through the different phases in general that were required. In order to implement the model from the front end, there had to be some determination made about what would be the focus of the pathway. So uh, Mr. Groshek led his staff through the development of what should those pathways be and what should be the career areas we're looking at. Uh, That led to the development of the five career pathways that are listed on the website. What happened next was most important, and that was that that now led to a curriculum development process. Because just to name a pathway is one thing, but to actually have the content, the activities, uh, all of those curricular pieces, we use a no understand and do format, to have all of those things in place is an incredible amount of work on the part of teachers um, who want to put those things in place for their students. So that process then began, and the, the staffing then e- evolved so that the content that we wanted to provide for our students had experts that could provide that. So it's fair to say that there are some areas that we have less teachers in than we used to and others that we have more. Uh, and we've staffed some things to make sure that things we felt are high priorities uh, were, did have the appropriate resources, including staffing resources. So that's vital. And then another thing that happened in the middle of this process is there was a significant facility renovation at the high school, and that entire facility was planned around the academic model rather than the other way around. I think a lot of schools build a building and then kind of put the kids in it. What we did is we planned an academic program and then built the building to implement that program. Okay. And so- Just to follow up on that, you had to get staff buy-in. So what we did, uh, I mean, certainly I did did none of this by myself. Um, I selected those people to be uh, our cheerleaders. Uh, They ran with the program, they did a lot of work. Uh, and then uh, earlier you mentioned was the school board uh, involved and did, did they approve of this? And absolutely, they actually uh, committed to this program so much uh, after we presented it. Uh, they provided uh, a small but still a stipend for five career pathway chairpersons. Okay. So five of my teachers uh, over the years have been leading this and uh, and doing all of the you know the legwork. Uh, so. It has been um, 
in the beginning was it a struggle to sell it no but we had to prove that this was the way to go and 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 we certainly have done that how did you determine those five you said there was a determination and decisions made around which should be the pathways and so how did you determine those yeah that was that was uh at the time that was myself and my assistant principal just really looking at what staff we thought could help us move forward okay. um and and to be quite honest with you they were they were my some of my veteran teachers uh, that were well respected uh on the staff uh and they they most definitely uh, they they fell in love with the program and now i had a lot to do with that uh as far as getting them to fall in love with the program but once they did they couldn't be stopped that's really cool so in this model, this program, um, how is it free? I understand that it's free to parents and students, but it seems like it goes beyond what many would feel is part of the traditional high school. So how is that free? So obviously the students that attend our school district are, who are reside in our school district come to our high school, and those programs are open to, you know, everything we do is open to them. Mm-hmm. What we have done the last, we're now in the fourth year of this, uh, four of our programs, two in agriculture, one in engineering, and one in accounting, have been approved by the Department of Education under Chapter 339, or the vocational uh, regulations. Okay. Because they are approved under Chapter 339, if the student resides in and is enrolled in another school district that does not offer that program, they may come to Central Columbia and take our classes and our program. And that happens because the state believes that these programs are so important for the state economy that they should be open to all students. Okay, great. So I'm going to read some language that I pulled from your website, some of the description. And, if, and I, what I'd love is for you to just tell me more about what it means. So connecting careers curriculum and character education. Tell us more about what that means and especially as pertaining to the character education part. Yeah, that is that is so extremely important to connect careers and curriculum uh, and, and as well as the character curriculum. Uh, we have to make curriculum that is relevant to what our kids actually want to do when they leave us. Um, we feel like it's our job to provide that spark to kids mm-hmm. uh, versus a traditional high school where you're going in and taking the core uh, subjects, uh, Mr. Mathias mentioned, we have over 140 classes. That's that's very very unique, uh, and it's it's our job to provide that spark to kids. Uh, in regards to character education, uh, something Mr. Mathias already mentioned, something that has that came with our career pathways model is these three required courses titled Futures One, Futures Two, and Futures Three. Uh, at each one of the levels, character education is embedded somewhere. Uh, for example, in ninth grade Futures 1, our students are required to teach uh, the uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens from Stephen Covey. That's important to us. They need to learn how uh, to be a good person. They need to know what it takes uh, to be successful. Uh, the future classes are something that we certainly uh, uh, have taken pride in. It is definitely very, very unique. Uh, when, we, when we were um, researching best practices, and I talked about Middletown, uh, they they had a course called Futures One or something like that, but that's all they had. Mm-hmm. We feel like we had to make it a, a sequence of courses for our kids. Uh, we didn't want them to be finished with the 
with the character education, um, you know, after a ninth grade year. So sure. that's, that's basically where we implement the character education in those courses. Okay, great. So sounds like a really effective set of ingredients that you have implemented. And so it looks like you have students that can begin choosing their pathway starting in the eighth grade. And obviously that's, you know, a young age. Do you find that students that young have a strong sense of their aptitudes and their potential path of interest? And if they do or don't, how do students go about choosing their pathway? Describe the process around that a little bit. Yeah, some, it, historically, Central Columbia uh, did require an eighth grader to choose a path. Uh, it used to be, I'm going to college or I'm not. Okay. Uh, after researching best practice, we felt that was also too early. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, we also feel that the career pathways model has to go down into the middle school. So at the middle school level, our seventh graders uh, are certainly introduced to a lot of uh, career exploration. Our eighth graders, uh, they are required to do a full day job shadow with something that they think they might like before they come over to the high school. Uh, But when they come over to us as ninth graders, uh, they actually do not choose their pathway until the conclusion of Futures One class, which is at the end of the year. So we actually have our kids choose their pathway at the at the conclusion of their ninth grade year, um, and that's a, that's during that's another futures one activity. Um, so we look at that as an improvement to the past in which they again they were required to choose on going to college or not as eighth graders before they came to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing with and Mr. Matthias also references with the career pathways model. We are now preparing every kid to go to college or post-secondary success. Uh, that's different. Uh, in the past, we allowed kids to, to choose college or career. And, you know, quite frankly, the career uh, pathway was a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. And uh, we felt like we could not look a student in the eye and say, hey, we're not going to prepare you as much as this kid. So we, uh, our college prep curriculum certainly has become our default curriculum. Um, So, uh, again, uh, you know, with the Career Pathways model, all of our kids get the college prep curriculum, and they they have an incredible amount of electives to choose from to to provide that spark. Great. And I have something to add to that. You know, when a student selects their primary career pathway, for a while there's some flexibility in changing that pathway because, again, they need four credits in primary but two in something else. So really, you know, sophomore, even into the junior year, there's some flexibility to move around, plus the pathways are very broad anyway. So, you know, if you're, if you go from being a veterinarian to being, um, you know, someone in the science field, those really fall within the same pathway, just the way they're framed. But we also say this to the parent who would say, look, isn't this too early to get my kid to focus? We, we say this that if a student walks across the stage at graduation and shakes our hand and whispers in our ear, hey, you know that pathway I just did? There's no way I want to do that. What we say to them is, congratulations, because you just saved mom and dad tens of thousands of dollars from making this decision one or two years from now. And actually, I'm going to add even more because it it is a perfect example of, of my own daughter. Uh, my own daughter went through our high school, and she was the one who loved puppies and kittens and wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, so she chose the agri-science science health pathway. 
Uh, however, when she took animal science uh, in her junior year um, and got her hands uh, bloody uh, with some of the activities that the teacher was doing, mm -hmm. uh, she realized that this wasn't for me. Um, and what she had to do was go through a process with her school counselor. She had to uh, defend why she wanted to change pathways and why did she want to change pathways. And in her case, it was a spark from a math teacher. She fell in love with math. Uh, so she, she switched pathways and now went to a university as going to be a secondary math teacher, saved me a boatload of money, and I am happy about that. <laughs> That's a really good point because obviously the topic of college debt, you know, could carry us through an entirely second podcast episode with as big of a challenge as that's become for students and their parents. So that's a huge point that you're helping hopefully make some of those decisions before those dollars have been spent. Absolutely. So you've kind of touched on one of these benefits that I'm going to ask you about already, but how does focusing on a career area in high school benefit the students after they graduate and before? So you've touched on one of them being sort of a defining of a path before, you know, the, the mistake is made in college or the, let's say, the change of decision in college. But what are some of the other benefits that you can talk about that are, are present either after graduation or before? So first of all, fundamentally, at a, you know, kind of a philosophical level, we recognize that every student is going to be, is going to someday join our economic system. They're going to somehow, somehow in some way join society. They're all going to get out there and work. They all need to have the skills necess necessary to be either a good employee or a good leader or a good manager or whatever that is. And if we can provide those skills, be it in career development or finance or any of that, that's certainly going to have value to society. But mm -hmm. I believe in a larger sense, and we are absolutely seeing this. One of the lessons from you know Columbine and a lot of the issues that have been happening with uh, disenfranchised students over the last 15, 20 years is this sense that if a student is not connected to something, they can get lost. When they come to school, we want to provide something that they can connect to, be it a teacher, could be a sport, it could be an activity, it could be a coach. But in our school, because we have so many courses that are aligned to real-world things, right. things that they see their parents doing, their aunts and uncles doing, things that they know there's jobs in the community, kids come here and it's like, wow, you know, I, I wanted to be a farmer, I wanted to be an engineer, and I'm actually getting my hands on, you know, a digital lathe, or I, I'm programming the computer to cut this advanced piece of metal. You know, in most schools, they don't do that. They go sure. sit in a class and have the teacher, you know, you know, give them their math stuff and do their homework and all of that, whereas here, there's just so much hands-on mm -hmm. embedded into the regular curriculum. and. We're seeing our, a dramatic drop in discipline, a dramatic increase in students who are going on to post-secondary, staying in post-secondary, being successful, and then even more importantly, staying in the area and becoming employed by the manufacturers and businesses in this area. That's a great outcome to speak of. And you're talking about that engagement factor, you know, if you're really increasing that engagement factor that's huge on so many levels so it, you kind of touched on this too dropout rate and sort of 
but I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about what does the data show? Is there an increase in college matriculation? Is there a decrease in the rate of dropout? So we have, Central Columbia has always been a, a fairly high, you know, college attendance school. Okay. What we're seeing now, though, and, and we're in the 80, 85% of our students are going on to post-secondary education, but what we're noticing is it is much more focused. Like a student who wants to go to Pennsylvania College of Technology and like polymer technologies. Wow. They know that coming out of here, whereas years ago it was, well, I'm not really sure. My parents want me to go to a four-year college, so that's what I'm going to do. Now that, that's still happening, but there's just so much more of a focus to that. But you talk about the data and some of the most powerful things about our model. We were talking earlier about uh, going off to college. Across the country, over 80% of students who go to college change their majors at least once. Sure. And about 50% change it twice. Our numbers, and we survey all this, 38% of our students who leave here change their majors. That's 50% lower than the national average. And that's saving their parents tons of money. That's substantial. The other thing that we, the other piece of data that we have is that the average student, and, and this goes to a measurement of readiness for what's next. Across the country, the average student who goes to college in their first year attains 13 credits on average. At Central Columbia, it's 31. Wow. So the data we see sh are, are clearly supporting that our students are ready for the next step, uh, both in terms of their academic readiness and in terms of their focus in their career. That's great. And that really honestly sort of somewhat addresses, but I'm going to ask anyway in case there's more, how does this kind of preparation help students connect with their learning in the classroom to real life? This is my 35th year here at the school. Uh, I'm in my 19th as superintendent. I was curriculum coordinator before that. And I tell people that 20 years ago, if I would sit in a meeting at the Chamber of Commerce or with our business leaders, you know, um, in the old school-to-work days and all of that, one thing they would say to me is, hey, we are seeing a brain drain. The best and the brightest students who go through our schools, they go off to college and they have this mindset that in order to get a good job, well-paid, whatever, I have to leave. I have to go to an urban area, I have to go south, I have to go somewhere else, but it's not going to be in Columbia County. Okay. What we are now seeing is with this model, which includes all those components we talked about and with a very large buy-in from our business and industry community, our manufacturing sector, uh, with all the students out on internships, with all the business leaders who come into our school and serve on our occupational advisory committees and talk to our students in school, what's happening is our students are now going, wow, I can get a really high-paying engineering job five miles down the road here at the Conier plant or at the CSS plant or at DICO mm -hmm. or at Talon Energy. I didn't know those opportunities existed before. Oh, now I see what mom and dad are doing or my neighbor across the street is doing. So all of a sudden those things that connect, that, that connect them to the community that right. they're already proud of, you know, the quality of life issues and all that, sure. now they can connect that and have a vision for uh, a career and a future that they can attain by going through our program. 
So it's opening up these opportunities that they may not have even known to explore. For our students and the business and industry sector love it because they're, they're, you know, they're looking down the barrel at a demographic trend sure. that scares them uh, that, you know, how are they going to, you know, fill their jobs in the future? And now all of a sudden they're seeing an educational model where kids are actually being connected directly to them. Great. So this program is designed to prepare students for the workforce and post-secondary education. So within that, what dual enrollment opportunities does the school offer? Are there job shadowing, apprenticeship, internships, anything like that that are uh, involved? So in terms of dual enrollment, Bloomsburg University is, is in our backyard. We have a number of partnerships with the university, including a STEM magnet program that uh, we're one of the participating schools, and it's run at Bloomsburg University. So mm -hmm. we see some of our elite uh, science and engineering students who will take classes with students from like Berwick and Bloomsburg and Danville school districts at Bloomsburg University in a dual enrollment model. But more, more in, even more integrated into the career pathway system, you heard Mr. Groshek talk about eighth grade job shadowing. We will also do that a little bit at the high school for students who need it. Okay. But we have enormous internship opportunities. Um, our senior class now has about 130 students. Half of them are leaving the school sometime during the school day to take part in an industry or business-based internship. Um, my son, who's a senior right now, uh, has a internship at a local polymer plant called Sekasui, and the things he's learning there uh, apply directly to the classes he's, t he's taken here in high school. Uh, he just got accepted at Penn State University main campus in their the industrial engineering program at Penn State. Awesome. Um, but again, what he's learning at Sekasui every day is motivating him to do well in his classes here in school. That's fantastic. And that certainly sounds like it's a success story. Is there any other that you can share with us, any other success stories you can share with us? Obviously not names or anything, but just scenarios of how you've seen students go through the program and how they've come out the other end. Yeah, in addition, in addition to uh, my own daughter, who I have already mentioned, mm -hmm. there's, there's just such a number of amount of stories that I could give you. Uh, another student um, was definitely going to be a secondary math teacher. Uh, she was convinced that's what she wanted to do. Uh, her principal, however, would not let her take another study hall, so I made her, I forced her to take another course. So she took architectural design. Oh. Uh, very, very proud and excited to say that she just graduated from main campus uh, Penn State with an architectural degree oh, uh, and is doing extremely well. That's where, I, that's where I really believe that it's our job to offer that spark. She took architectural design and, and she got that spark. She fell in love with it and you know, her senior year decided, I don't want to be a math teacher, I want to be an architect. So that's another one. Uh, Mr. Matthias mentioned his own son, uh, you know, doing the internships, and we actually have over 70 kids out doing internships. So a big part of the success of this program is the relationships that we have built with business and industry. Uh, these these people are just uh, just helping us thrive so much. I have people calling me. I, I got a text message today from a local industry asking me if I knew a student uh, that that they could hire. Uh, so I have students oh, working part-time at industry right now, guarantee a full-time job when they leave us. That's exciting. 
that's what it's all about we need it so many high schools think they're done when the kid shakes their hand crossing the stage we have survey after survey that we send out that we want to know what they're doing five years out that's the true measure of success and are they doing what they said they were going to do so there's a there's a, a number of success stories i could give you it's and you know another success story i i also have those students uh you know, we principals call them knuckleheads. Uh, you know, I, I just got invited to uh, a graduation from the Marines. Uh, I don't know if I'll be traveling to South, uh, South Carolina for the, the graduation, but it's exciting. It's exciting for these kids. And it goes back to what Mr. Mathias said a little while ago. Well, you have to get them engaged. This, this young man was a thorn in my side as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got him involved in some courses down in the industrial technology area of the, of the school building, and he started thriving. Uh, and he, he went on to the Marines, and he's, he's now studying some kind of mechanical uh, profession. But that's, that's exciting. That's our job. Yeah, uh, I can give you a story. There's a girl from from actually resides in the Berwick School District, but comes to us for our engineering program. And we had a group of business leaders come through um, our facility about six months ago, and we just brought her over to talk to them about what she was learning. She was in 10th grade at the time, and she just went on and on and on about the technical skills that she was able to learn in our engineering program and went as far as to say, look, I have an aunt and uncle that work down at the local Conier plant. It's a plant that makes uh, manufactured windows and doors. And she goes, you know, I was bouncing around trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and I come here and only to find out that your program is aligned directly to Conier's jobs, that I can go through your program and get certified on Uh how to work machinery in the Conier plant that puts me at a huge advantage over anybody else I would be interviewing against. She, she said, I love that. That's great. So you're really giving them that. In that, in that instance, at least, there's a, a direct channel from your program into a position and a career and even a company. Absolutely. We're as close to a pipeline model as I've ever seen. That's really cool. And that leads me to sort of the celebration of your program. So. I noticed on your website it says that your program or your high school is award-winning. So tell me about that. Yeah, th- th- this one's the toughest one to answer because we, we like to think that we're humble here at Central <laughs> Columbia. Uh, you know, but with that said, we do have to brag a little bit. You know, Definitely. in addition to being uh, in, in addition to being recognized uh, by the state on the PD website as being one of the top three model career pathways programs. You know, the rigor and relevance of our program has consistently ranked us up in the top 5% of all Pennsylvania high schools. As well as this past year, uh, we were actually ranked in the top 6% of all high schools in the U.S. uh, And that was according to U.S. News and World Report Best High Schools. So we're really, really excited about that. Um, We're getting a lot of recognition, a lot of accolades. And and then there's people out there that want to know what the heck we're doing. In the past two years, uh, in addition to... I could probably say 50 tours to other schools. Uh, we've had people like Secretary of Ed Pedro Rivera visited us. Okay. Secretary of Ag Russell Redding visited us. Uh, Penn State University President Eric Barron visited us. U.S. Representative Dan Muser came to see what the heck we're doing. Dr. Robert Clark from the Ag Ed Commission. Senator John Gordner. The guy could go on and on and on with representatives, and, and it's just such an honor for these people 
to come and they're, they're hearing about us and they're wondering what we're doing. Uh, and our next one, and if Governor Wolf, you're listening, you're invited. Oh, great. Well, we're also a member of the Columbia Montour Chamber of Commerce. And to just show how well this has been received, two years ago we were named by the local chamber as the, as the large business of the year in our region. Now imagine that, a school district being named by your local chamber of commerce as the large business of the year. That's how much they thought about what we're doing for workforce development. That's pretty impressive, and that really does speak a lot to the impact that you've had on your community. If there are other school districts that are interested in knowing more about your program or how to develop their own program, their own career pathways model, where should they go for those resources and information? So Mr. Groshek and I are always open to answer questions. It is our belief that we have a very good model and an even stronger belief that anybody can be doing it and everyone should be doing it. Uh, so we would be more than happy to talk to people. As you heard Mr. Groshek say, we've given dozens and dozens of tours um, and talks, and uh, we are certainly open to that. Um, interestingly, I'm retiring in June, oh, so uh, you're also talking with Mr. Groshek in the superintendent-elect, so that's good news for our school district. Okay. But if there's a district out there that wants to talk to me, you know, after July 1, I have some time on my hands, and I don't <laughs> even mind traveling to you. Wow, that's a nice offer. So thank you for being with me today and sharing this fantastic success story from the Central Columbia School District truly our pleasure. Thank you for your work. Appreciate it. Listeners, I encourage you to go to our website at keyedradio.org for more information and resources supporting today's discussion. This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.